Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to the penultimate episode of the regular season of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the Kettlecast, I'll talk about the Hawks games against the Spurs, 76ers, Magic, and Bucks, and also look ahead to their game against the Indiana Pacers. Finally, I'll end this episode talking about what you can expect from the Kettlecast going into the offseason. Without any further ado, let's get into it. After that thrilling victory against the Bucks in overtime, the Hawks had to go play the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio. And the Hawks, as I discussed last week, had not beaten the Spurs in San Antonio in over 20 years. I mean, Dominique Wilkins was on the Spurs when the last time that the Hawks beat them. So the Spurs are also locked into their Western Conference seating. Um, or into the Western Conference, and their seating is still to be determined. Um, so they were still playing a lot to play for for the San Antonio Spurs. Um, the Hawks started a lineup of Trey, Kevin Herter, Justin Anderson, Vince Carter, and Alex Lynn. Deadman is out for the rest of the season, and John Collins was getting some rest. So this was the starting lineup that the Hawks had. And this the Hawks team played really well in this game. I mean... They ended up losing the game 117-111, to 111, but they the game was a lot closer than that, and especially a lot closer until the end of the game when really Derek White took over. But looking into some highlights from this game, um, going into this game, Derek White had given Trey a lot of problems in the game that the Hawks played against the Spurs in Atlanta. Derek White's a bigger guard, um, and Trey had, he ended up having six blocks in the game against the Hawks and he only had two blocks this game but he still had a monster game of 23 points made all his threes three of three from three-point land three assists and two blocks Trey had a fine game he had 15 points and six assists but he was five of 15 from the field and oh of six from three so Derek White still kind of has Trey's number and it was encouraging to see that Trey didn't let his shot not falling from the outside deter him from going inside and using his floater game. And even with Derek White being a bigger guard, Trey tried to get him um, on his back where he could get to get to the uh, backboard and make some layups. But uh, Derek White certainly has provided sort of an example of how to neutralize Trey or at least make him have a really hard time. This game also was the first game for Isaac Humphreys who was signed for the rest of the season after Dwayne Dedman went down and um, came from the Hawks G League team. He is a former Kentucky Wildcat. He's a big man, and um, for the last couple games of the season, it's encouraging that the Hawks are using this as a way to play young players. I mean, both Isaac Humphreys and Deontay Davis, who's a guy they signed uh, for the rest of the season as well, are both intriguing young um big men and with Dwayne Dedman sort of being older in age it's uh, encouraging that the Hawks are at least looking at some young big men and using these last games of the season to uh, evaluate those players he really didn't have a huge game and it was obvious that there's a big difference between the G League and the NBA it just looked like there was a couple times where Humphreys got the ball down low and put it up on shots that he thought would not be contested and he really got some shots blocked on him so he's an intriguing young prospect, and he had a couple good games further down the line, but uh, it'll be interesting to see 
how he and Deontay Davis go look going into the offseason. Um, another good thing about this game was we got to see more uh, Bembry playing. Bembry's been able to take advantage of getting some longer playing time, and he has one of the most beautiful Euro steps in the league. Um, so he had one of those in this game, and he was part of a group that had the Hawks in the lead going into the fourth quarter. Kent Bazemore had a big game, 26 points. He was 5 of 7 from 3 with 2 assists, 3 steals, and only 2 turnovers. Uh, he was a big reason that the Hawks were even in this game going into the fourth quarter. Um, and really the deciding moment of this game is the Spurs went on a 16-4 run late in the game. Uh, DeRozan had a big, big scoring game at 29 points before he fouled out. And the Hawks kind of pulled the plug with a minute and a half to go, down five points when they pulled Trey out of the game. Kevin Herter had a decent game with 13 points, an assist, and two steals. And then Alex Lynn just had another solid game as the starting center. 21 points. He was 4-5 from three-point land. He had three assists and five rebounds. Um, it would have been cool to have the Hawks go in there and get a victory, especially have this bizarre long streak of not winning in San Antonio. But it also just goes to show how consistent Coach Popovich has been with that team in San Antonio. And for him to get another group of players, especially one headlined with uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan into the Western playoffs, is just another feather in Coach Popovich's cap. But the Hawks played well and really made it a game at the end um, and were unable to come up with the victory. So coming after that tough loss to the Spurs, the Hawks came home to play the 76ers. And the 76ers came in with no Embiid, um, but uh, Ben Simmons has been known to... He's a big video game player, and uh, he's also been known to talk a little bit of trash about the Hawks, saying that if you have the Hawks playing ne the next day, you're, you can stay up later and get your video games a little bit more because, I mean, they're just the Hawks. But uh, John Collins was back for the Hawks, and Torian Prince was back for the Hawks. Uh, an interesting note in this game as well was Vince Carter was not playing and not dressed for the Hawks, and he ended up being part of the broadcast crew with Dominique Wilkins and Bob. Um, and it was pretty fun to watch some of the game with Vince giving his critiques and, and from straight from practice some of the things that the Hawks are trying to do. Um, John Collins being back was huge for the Hawks. He had a ton of dunks in this one. It was like he had so much energy saved up from not playing. He had five alley-oops from Trey alone. He had a monster dunk on Boban Marjanovic on a fast break where he got an and-one on the dunk. Um, Boban Marjanovic is one of the biggest players in the NBA. He's 7'3", and when he grabs a basketball, it looks like a regular person grabbing an orange or something, but it was a monster dunk. And John Collins, which is himself this game, 25 points, 8 rebounds and assist, and just a monster on the glass and extremely active. Um, Torian Prince was back. He didn't have a great shooting night, but he did have 13 points, three rebounds, two assists, and what was really big for uh, Torian was zero turnovers. Um, when Torian can get out of control, that leads to a lot of turnovers and a lot of easy, fast breaks for teams, and for him to have a game with zero turnovers is huge. So it was, uh, he also had some very nice passes and possessions where he would pass the ball and the ball would find its way back to him and he'd make a shot, but... It was a very under-control game for Torian, and it was a very positive game for Torian.
DeAndre Bembry had a very strong game off the bench. 17 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal. Um, in a game where the Hawks ended up scoring 129 points, you're going to have a lot of players with a lot of points. But Bembry really took on uh, the task of trying to contain Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons and Bembry went at each other a lot in this game. Uh, ben Simmons really likes to get into players. He's super physical. He doesn't have a jump shot, so he is able to be effective by really going to the basket and being physical with his big 6'11 frame. And Bimbry was up to the task of trying to defend him and at least making it difficult for Simmons to make those shots. Bimbry had one amazing play where he got uh, Ben Simmons with a crossover, did a spin, and kept the 6'11 Ben Simmons on his back and, and made this layup. And um, During this game, it just really reminded me that Bembry plays at such a different pace and rhythm than most other NBA players, and that really is a benefit to him. He, uh, The way he moves with the ball in his hands, he just is so smooth and never really... I mean, he can get out of control and certainly find himself in places where he shouldn't be, but the way he moves is just... It feels like he's under control, and uh, it's very deliberate as well. Um, and oftentimes with being deliberate, that means like sort of robotic or sort of thinking ahead of where you're going to be. But uh, DeAndre just really knows where he wants to go on the court and is able to do it very gracefully. And he has some crossovers and spin moves that are just incredible. And he's really started to utilize the floater game and um, some things that Ben Simmons uses to be effective without a jump shot. I think uh, Bembry has started to use as well, which are funky layups, some of the hook shots that Ben Simmons does. Um, but Bembry was a very effective this game, and uh, it, he's one of my favorite players to watch, so it, that's really encouraging to me. Justin Anderson really got into it with his former team. He had 10 points, uh, two of three from three-point three land, and a lot of those three-pointers those three pointers came in uh, crunch time or important moments that really kept the Hawks in the game, and uh, he made one of them right in front of the 76ers bench and he certainly let them know that he just hit a three in their face. Kevin Herter had a solid game, 15 points on 50% shooting, four rebounds and five assists. Uh, there was a beautiful out of timeout play where Trey threw an alley-oop to Kevin Herter and Kevin didn't dunk it but he made an open layup and uh, Kevin's really shown a nice uh, ability to get into the lane and make some floaters and be a little bit more aggressive in shooting the ball. He's also started to take three-pointers out of fast breaks, which is encouraging. So he had a solid game. J.J. Redick really kept the 76ers in this game. Uh, he had 30 points, and there were often times in this game where he was the only 76er scoring or keeping them in the game. Um, and he's just so dangerous coming off screens and especially off offensive rebounds where he knows to get right on the three-point line and his teammates know to get him the ball, and he'll make the shot. Um, he's also worked on a little bit of his driving and following his shot, and there was definitely one point in this game where he missed a three-pointer, got his own uh, rebound, and made a layup to keep the 76ers in the game. Ben Simmons almost had a triple-double. He had 16 points, 8 assists, and uh, 16 rebounds, excuse me, 8 assists, and 15 points. And as much as he is super annoying getting into players and trying to draw fouls and really being physical, he really controls the game when he's on the court. He wants to get out and run. He wants to be on the fast break 
and he knows where every player is when he's dribbling the ball on fast break. And as I discussed with DeAndre Bembry, both those players really don't have a strong jump shooting game. DeAndre Bembry's developing, and Ben Simmons has only been in the league a couple of years. Um, he's been effective just really getting to the basket and making sort of funky shots that the typical NBA player is not, is not taking anymore. He has hook shots. He uses every angle to make layups, um, and it's really fascinating to watch him play. He also really enjoys throwing fancy pla- passes, especially to J.J. Redick or any of, the, any of his other tem- teammates, and um, he's an interesting player to watch. Um, another big part of this game, or not big, but historic moment was uh, Boban Marjanovic, the seven foot three player I was talking before, who's just a monster and really had a solid game. Um, but can't really play extended period of times in the game. He just doesn't have that conditioning, and he's so large. It's just he hasn't gotten that conditioning down yet. Uh, hit his first career three. And it was funny. It was just kind of in the first quarter. And in the NBA now, it's not that odd to see the center of the other team or the center uh, go out and stand on the three-point line. And it didn't look out of the ordinary. Uh, Boban shooting the three, and he made it and just sort of Tried it back on defense like it was nothing special, but it was his first career three, and that was fun to see. Uh, finally, one of the big things always at home games is did the Hawks fans get Chick-fil-A uh, on the foul shot promotion, and they certainly did. Uh, the 76ers missed a couple free throws in the fourth quarter, which only made the cheering louder in this close game, and uh, we they were uh, that meant that the Hawks got the Hawks fans got. Chick-fil-A sandwiches. So the Hawks came out with a 129-122 to 122 victory, and it was a big victory. The 76ers were playing all of their normal starters except for Embiid, and for the Hawks to go at a team that's starting J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Jimmy Butler and come out with a win is a big, big game. Um, so it was, it was good to see that, and uh, going into their game against the Orlando Magic, it was nice to have a win, and there's a lot of po- positive momentum in the farm when the Hawks get victories and Trey's playing well. and um, It's just a team, like I said, there's five alley-oops between Trey and uh, John Collins. and like It's basketball that kids like to watch and that really gets you out of your seat. So it was an encouraging victory. Now going into the game with the Orlando Magic, I don't know what it is this season, but the Orlando Magic just have the Hawks number. And this game would not be any different. The Orlando Magic outscored the Hawks 42-18 to in the first quarter, and the game never really got closer than that. So I'm not going to do a lot of talking about this game. The Magic came in, and they were still fighting for their playoffs' lives. They were very motivated to get this win. And after that first quarter, the Magic w- ended up winning this game 149-113, to and I don't even know if it was that close. Um, the big players for the Orlando Magic were uh, Nikola Vucevic, who's there, all-star player, Evan Fournier, a really good shooting guard, and Terrence Ross off the bench. All three of those players had 25 points. Um, all of the Magic starters at least scored 10 points, and there's really no Hawks to talk about in this game. Um, I have to give credit to Nikola Vucevic. He bothers John Collins a lot, and uh, really there's not a lot to say about this game except for the Magic just straight up destroyed the Hawks in a game that the Magic had to win. Um, so that was just a brutal game that we will not refer to ever again. And hopefully the Hawks will be able to figure out the magic the next year. Uh, the final game of this stretch was the game against the Milwaukee Bucks. And 
you know, last week's episode ended on the Hawks beating the Bucks on a game winner, and the Bucks were trying to get their 60th win of the season, and they would play all their starters in this game. This is at home. The Bucks were wearing some some of the worst uniforms in the league. I mean, they have a throwback that's throwing back to this beautiful court that the Bucks used to play on, the Mecca, and I don't know who designed these uh uniforms but it really looks like they were like you know we want to throw it back to this really cool court that the bucks used to play on let's just go to a corner of the court put down the canvas and just copy that instead of just using the you know actual pieces of the court or the actual different um different objects that makes the court cool and using those on a uniform let's just take a actual square of the court and just put that on a uniform and they're really ugly uniforms. I don't like them. Anyway, going into this game, there was no Trey and no John Collins, who were both sitting for load management. And I know Trey Young was probably very upset. He was hoping to play all 82 games of this season, and unfortunately he wouldn't be able to match Dominique Wilkins in that regard and playing all 82 games of his uh, rookie season. But both those players were out for load management. And the Hawks ended up really keeping this game competitive. I mean, um, the Hawks ended up losing the game 107 to 115, and the Hawks were down 10 to 15 points the whole game. But in the fourth quarter, they had a barrage of threes from Alex Lynn, Torian Prince, that got the Hawks within three points. Now, from there, Giannis and Chris Middleton were able to close the door on the game, and the Bucks were able to give Coach Bud his second 60 win season as a coach. But the Hawks really played well without two of their best players on the playing. Um, Alex Lynn had a career-high 33 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 blocks. Uh, he had 6 three-pointers, and it was really good to see a team, another team center, score that many threes against uh, Brooke Lopez and the Bucks. Brooke Lopez has been referred to as Splash Mountain this season for the amount of threes he's taken, and he is not shy about pulling threes from even deep, but... Alex Lynn gave it right back to him in this game. Um, Bazemore and Bembry both had strong games off the bench. Kent had 12 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists. And Bembry had 13 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. But he also had a team-high 4 turnovers. Um, those were the guys that really kept the Hawks in this game. As I said, Giannis and Middleton won the game for the Bucks. Uh, Giannis had 30 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists. And more importantly, was two of five from three-point land. One of those three-pointers coming at the end of the game when the Hawks were really within single digits and were really closing in the game. Uh, Chris Middleton had 21 points, five rebounds, and three assists. And continues just to be a great number two to Giannis being a number one on that team. It'll be really interesting to see how the Bucks, who have locked, off, locked up home court throughout the playoffs, perform in the playoffs. But... The Hawks acquitted themselves well in this last game, um, and it was it was encouraging to see Alex Lynn really have a good game. I've been down on Alex Lynn this entire season, but he's really played strongly after being inserted into the starting lineup with Dwayne Dedman being out, and his three-point shooting, and if he can get a little strong around the rim, especially this game against the Bucks, he was extremely aggressive going to the rim and, and dunking instead of doing some layups, and as a seven-footer, I feel like he should be able to do that. But he's done, he's really taken the opportunity that the Hawks have given him with these games starting and shown out really well. And it'll be interesting how they handle 
he's not a free agent next year, but he's only on the books for one more year after this one. So how the Hawks handle him going into the offseason will be very interesting. The Indianapolis Pacers come into State Farm Arena having already locked up the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. They can't change their seed, and they also can't change who they are playing in the playoffs. Their opponent is going to be the Boston Celtics. So it'll be interesting to see if they have this game against the Hawks as a tune-up into the playoffs, or if they're resting their guys to get them to make sure that they're at the best possible physical ability that they can be going into the playoffs. The Hawks have some interesting notes going into this game. Trey Young is tied with Luka Doncic in scoring for rookies. Both Luka and Trey have this last game left, so it'll be interesting to see if the Hawks really force the ball to Trey to get him that title. And also, uh, Jamal Crawford just set the record for the oldest player to score 50 points, and it'll be interesting if the Hawks try to do something similar for Vince Carter. Vince Carter is the same age as uh, Dirk Nowitzki, and Dirk just didn't set a record but became only the second player to score over 30 points after turning 40. So it'll that could be another motivation for the Hawks to get Vince a lot of uh, attempts at the basket. Now after this game against the Pacers, the Hawks go into the offseason with a lot of ammunition to potentially change their future. This offseason, the Kettlecast will be covering everything that the Hawks do. We will have analysis on each of the players and how their season went this year. We will talk about how the 2018-2019 Hawks compared to last year's team and the improvements that the team made. We will look at potential draft picks and prospects that the Hawks could be looking at for in this upcoming draft. We will look at the picks that the Hawks actually make and decide if those are good or poor picks or what they may be trying to do with that. We'll also look at all the signings that the Hawks make And finally, we'll cover all of the summer league games that the Hawks play this summer. So even though we are not in the regular season and there aren't nearly as many games, the Kettlecast will continue to be your source for Hawks information. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. I want to give a big shout out to NBA.com slash stats, basketball reference, and also popcornmachine.net, who all provide excellent statistics that help me With these podcasts, if you can leave a rating or review, that would greatly help me. And if you have any questions about the Hawks, you can email me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Hopefully I'll be able to do a couple mailbag episodes this summer. And I look forward to continuing to be your uh, source for Hawks news going into the offseason.